And I was excited about the idea of how music can make holy moments and bring people together in a way that nothing else really seems to do. Hey, we are back. Yeah, <laughs> good to be here, um, and thank you for tuning in. I'm Dave Trout, and this is the first episode of 2024 for the podcast Green Room Door. This is the show where we love to go behind the scenes and talk one-on-one with artists about uh, the heart behind the music. And uh, if you if you are just new to us, welcome. Uh, we are actually in the middle of our seventh season. Um, this is, uh, if you go back into the fall, you'll, you'll find interviews in this seventh season with, uh, Paul Deemer, Andy Squires, Burlap to Cashmere. And today we're going to add two more artist names to our, uh, interview list. Um, and we're super stoked about it. This podcast was still on pause for the month of January, just because uh, that month we primarily focus on the UTR panel of critics and all their albums and song picks as the best of the year 2023, uh, which is what happened. And uh, but but this returning episode actually ties directly into that. Uh, we were thrilled when all the votes were cast and and, and it was revealed that. The top 11 gourmet albums of the year included at the very top of the list at number one, UK-based artist Tina Boonstra and her latest project, Circleback, Start Again. Uh, the number two album on the list was Bare and Bones by Trinidad-based artist Candace Coker. Um, and we oh, that thrilled me because, number one, if you've listened to UTR over the years, you'll know that... Uh, a lot of the music industry is kind of um, misogynistic at times. It's male-driven, and we have sort of railed against that for many years. We wanted to have really good representation, not just um, gender representation, but also um, different ethnicities represented, different parts of the world. And here, here we have our top two albums being uh, represented from female artists from different parts of the world. How cool. And so um, our right-hand man, Larry, said, boy, that wouldn't it be nice, wouldn't it be very cool if when Green Room Door comes back, we interview the number one and number two artists from that list, Tina and Candace. And I thought, oh my goodness, that'd be amazing because... Uh, I just respect them as artists so much, and I've connected with them at various levels over the years, but have not had kind of a sit-down radio interview with them, Um, and this was a great excuse and chance to do that. So, we are going to be diving in to, um, in the first half, uh, a conversation with Tina Boonstra, um, just about her, her music career and... Um, and her amazing new album that came out last year. Uh, and then in the second half of the show, we'll be hanging out with Candace Coker. Um, and she has such a, a beautiful, wonderful perspective on music and just how art informs our lives. So um, we're going to enjoy those conversations. But before we dive in to the conversation with Tina, let's hear a little bit of her music. This is from that project, Circle Back, Start Again, um, just to give you a, a taste of what she sounds like. And, and then we'll begin the conversation. She laughs so she cries about that dawn. Proposing three times in his nightgown. And the day that she left Nysna with her sister. What a bittersweet feeling to leave home. She's always telling Well, let's kind of start maybe with almost like the origin story here. Um, how uh, how did how did you grow up and 
And was music a part of the your growing up years? Yeah. Um, okay. Start from the very beginning. <laughs> so I grew up. Um, my parents were missionaries, and uh, we moved around quite a lot growing up. I have there's a big family. I've got three older sisters and a little brother, um, and music was very much a part of our life but in a very specific way um it was very much um something that was a tool for worship and it was about um you know singing those songs in church and and that was like really the purpose of music and and so i didn't really grow up with that much music around um because we were for a while my parents i mean they're very loving and not that strict but some uh they went through seasons of you know how do i say this um we didn't just we didn't listen to that much music growing up uh because music was kind of for church so i listened to a lot of christian music a lot of um the type of songs you might sing in church and and so um we lived in the netherlands and then in south africa so like pretty varied like a lot of gospel a lot of like you know rhythmic music and the way that i started writing music was really through my sister my sister played guitar uh, my mum played guitar I didn't know this actually at the time, but my mom used to write songs for church. And uh, and so me and my sister used to play guitar. And um, a little bit before that, I had just, I wrote this song. I was just a kid, just wrote it like one night <laughs> in my bed. And then I tried to sing it to my sister so that she could play it, but she couldn't figure out the chords. Um, and then that was the thing for me really to like stop playing myself so I could write and, and, once I started writing, I just I just loved it as a way of expressing myself. And, and I think now looking back, because there were quite rigid boundaries on a lot of things in in my growing up years. Um for me, music and writing was a way to process what was happening. And um that was kind of confusing because it didn't fit into the framework of what music was in my family and they didn't really get it. Um, and they didn't really understand why I would want to write songs about my friends or the future or it didn't, it didn't, they didn't really vibe with that because music was so much a kind of a tool uh, rather than, art to be enjoyed and stories to tell um so I really struggled and and I didn't know where I would fit and and then for a while I really thought I would write songs for church um which I did do a bit and enjoyed but they didn't really vibe with uh with the people that were in the church and and I was excited about the idea of how music can make holy moments and bring people together in a way that I don't know, nothing else really seems to do. Mm. But um, that wasn't really happening. And so this idea that I was called to do this thing um, didn't started started not ringing true anymore because it just wasn't, I wasn't getting other opportunities and, and there wasn't that connection with that. And so my friends kind of just, probably just stopped me moaning. Um, were like, well, why don't you go and play some open mic nights or you know it's okay you don't have to write songs for church that nobody sings because they don't fit in church you could just like sing them somewhere else and so I started um playing open mic nights and and I loved it and I loved how the same thing happened there that can happen in holy spaces where it can change an atmosphere and the way you tell a story or um sing a song can impact people in the same way and, and make those holy moments and um and that just made me want to write more um and I, I didn't really have I don't I don't really have a plan for the kinds of things I wanted to write um but it became very uh kind of introspective and 
just songs about my own journey and my own faith and yeah it was really exciting when people actually connected with that because I didn't write them for anyone else apart from me really and uh and so to think that something I wrote in my bedroom might connect with somebody on the other side of the world is just mind-blowing so here's here's one area where you differentiate from a lot of other artist stories that I talk to um, because um, a lot of a lot of uh, the singer songwriters who are kind of writing very introspective or contemplative music or if, if I ask them sort of, you know, some their origin story, oftentimes it has to do with um, either their parents or somebody in their life just like really loving you know, this wide gamut of music from the Beatles to Bob Dylan to, you know, uh, just they sort of absorbed all the all these great songwriters of the past. And then and then it sort of uh, kind of made it made it its way into their system. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you had a more limited scope of like artistic uh, input. For sure. Yeah, it's. And yet sort of you were bit by the same bug and have, you know, <laughs> sort of the, so I'm just kind of curious, um, is it, is it, is it just sort of this internal artistic kind of flower that's been growing and now is showcasing itself? Because I mean, really the songwriting I think is just top shelf. So I'm just kind of curious where that comes from. Yeah, I guess, um, uh, my music upbringing is super sheltered, which so even now, sometimes I discover bands that everybody knows about. Like during lockdown, I discovered this band called Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're really good. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was like, yeah, 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 we know about them. <laughs> and I was like, no, but you should really listen to this yeah. this album called Rumors. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> blew my mind. Um, so it's funny because there's like, I mean, I've definitely, since, you know, mid-teens and later on, you start exploring for yourself music. So it's not like I was completely cut off to any type of um, wide range of music, but it definitely came a lot later for me. And I still almost feel like it's still unfolding. I feel like I know so little. I think probably two things. Stories for me and reading and literature have always been like a, a big part of my life. And before I ever started writing songs, I would just like devour novels and stories. And that probably has shaped my writing in a lot of ways, um, literature. And then I guess the other thing is that even though my very early music upbringing was very narrow, it was also very, um, there was a lot of depth in some of those songs and a lot of uh, purity of melody and lyric. And, you know, so even though like most of what I listened to up until I was probably 12 or I mean, later was things like, um, oh, let's see, like Ron Cannoli and mm-hmm. Kirk Franklin and... Mm-hmm. Um, and you know Hillsong or like all that stuff actually like you know a lot of a lot of that is super crafted Mm -hmm. super tight songwriting tight on melody Um, and so people you know people people give congregational worship music sometimes a a bad rep but I think in many ways it was a there's lots of really good things to be gleaned from those type that type of writing it's not the only type of writing in the world and I don't think it should ever be but yeah. um you know there's 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 definitely part of that I think that has um shaped my style that's great well one of the reasons why we're talking is is because um very recently um the UTR panel of critics uh named Circle Backstart Again as the number one gourmet album of the year. So congratulations on that. Oh, that's, that's just yeah, I'm buzzing. That's really kind. Now um I don't know if you remember this. I think I mean we didn't really know you at the time. We I think we may, might have messaged you, but actually this is this is a repeat occurrence because in uh a few years ago our critics panel also named City of Doubt the no. album of 2020 
Wow. So, oh, um, guys. Yeah. So I want to I want to first talk about City of Doubt for a minute. Sure. Yeah. And then, then we'll get into your latest project, which is yeah. uh, just incredible. But kind of give us uh, a little bit of an overview of um, that was kind of like your studio debut. Is that right? City of uh, Doubt. No, no I released an EP before called Concrete oh, okay. Heart. Um, yeah. But City of Doubt, what was different about City of Doubt was I took, I was a lot more involved in the production of it. Um mm which I had the most fun doing. I'd never really uh, pr produced anything like or demoed anything before. I didn't know how to do that. When we recorded Concrete Heart, like most of the tracks were just vocals and guitar on my phone recording before we went into the studio. Whereas yeah. with City of Doubt, um, somebody challenged me to, to learn some production skills. And it's really embarrassing because I thought I couldn't do it. And, and when I really dug into why, it was like, well, girls can't do that stuff. Mm. And and I'd never, I'd never seen, you know, female producers. And I just hadn't been exposed to that. A part of my very narrow music upbringing also meant there was almost no female musicians, artists, definitely no producers. Um, so the idea that I could... Uh, you know, download GarageBand and just try and make something and and create a vibe or like a, a picture for how I might want it to sound was um, really scary at first, but so much fun. So I spent one summer just like, yeah, demoing those songs in a way that I hadn't before and, and I loved it and it felt so... Um, so it sounds cheesy. It felt so, so empowering to to mm. do that and play and play with the sounds and the rhythms and the harmonies in a way that I hadn't done before. Um, so I made this little like demo, an EP, the, the demo of the EP, and sent it to my producer. And I was like, "What do you think?" And he was like, "Cool." So so we did that, and, and I can't remember exactly, but most of the tracks ended up being pretty similar to what the demos were, um, and. I yeah really enjoyed taking a more active role in the production of that um, and shaping the sounds and the rhythms as well as the story. Um, yeah, it was fun, a lot of fun to make. That's, I think, oftentimes where faith-based music can sometimes fall a little flat because there is that that temptation to always tie it up with a nice, neat bow yeah. Yeah. Um, in in these, like, you know, faith circles because you don't yeah. want anyone to think, you, you just want to always have a positive, you know, vibe or whatever. And I, I understand the temptation for that. Sure. But it, it does sort of... I think it does. Um, there is room for artistic expression of all kinds, yeah, in, in all different mediums too. And uh, I just really love that idea that that one piece of art, one painting, one song. It doesn't have to be the whole story, but it yeah. can be part of the story. So I love that. Yeah, and I think um, oh, I definitely spent a lot of growing up years in a culture where faith equals having things tied up nicely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, and I've spent a long time undoing that. We underestimate if we think that people can't handle one song not being the whole story, then we underestimate our listeners. And mm -hmm. and actually, I think it's a, it's a respect of some stories that they do pause and 
they stay in that moment and and to pretend otherwise is is not authentic it's not true yeah well let's dive into the 2023 album circle back start again um just maybe just start by telling us what was the kind of making of that album like for you yeah um it started off with a real big argument with myself um I started writing so when I wrote Sea of Doubt, I it's a it's a story basically of like coming from a bad place to a better place and and I really felt like I at when I released that EP, I felt like cool, this is who I am as an artist, like this is what I write. Um then the opportunity came to make this album and I started writing for it. And the things that I was writing just did not fit into that like city of doubt. Uh, the stuff I'd written before, it felt much more um, story-based. And, and and songs, I would write these songs and I'm like, this is not even something I've been through. Why why am I writing this? And and I really struggled. I, sh- I struggled for a long time um, accepting the album that was coming to me. And mm. uh, b- mainly because I think ultimately still a, a big part of me felt like m- music should be a tool uh, of worship or like uh and and it felt difficult for me to see how a story about a retired math teacher with cancer would do that <laughs> and like who am I even to, to write about that yeah. and um and they struggled I struggled with it a lot for a while until I realized that these were the songs that were coming to me and and then I kind of once I accepted that um it was the most fun because I just got to sink into these stories um, in a way which, I don't know, just it's such an incredible privilege to to submerse yourself in that process. And and I, it's, it's, it was so different. So many of those songs, it was so different writing them to other songs because I felt it, it felt like I was sinking into someone else's life and like sinking into some another story and sometimes they you know they were true stories of my friends or me um and sometimes they were stories that were kind of pieced together from different fragments of uh conversation or uh experience and it was the most fun it was just it was just the most fun and um yeah i don't i don't know why it came out the way it did but i was really um worried about sharing it with my band and my producer because it was so different and uh for a while I described it as like pop songs about middle-aged women um which um people didn't really think that I didn't really think there was a place for (laughs) but uh the process was really cool and everybody was so open-hearted and open-minded about it um whenever I write a song I feel like it changes me and and some of these songs like they had a really unexpected big impact on my life and like you just you don't know you don't know where an idea is going to take you and fighting against it isn't always the best idea um so yeah that's how it started so now that it it has sort of lived in the world for a little bit and Mm. how do you feel about it how do how do you feel just like based on sort of reactions and and uh impact and how you see it like kind of connecting with people yeah uh surprised and proud yeah <laughs> um i love i love singing the songs live i've been really surprised how you know when i put it out i was like who's going to connect with this like this is feels feels so left field to me um and then i've just been surprised at the number of people who've messaged me saying um, we've been going through this really hard time as a family or this thing's happened and your album's just like carried us through it. And, and that, I feel like, really this, this one, are you sure? And, and, <laughs> and it's, but um, I don't know. I think it's interesting to me, like you write something and it changes you and you put it out and you, you don't know how it's going to, respond to other people and it's been a real privilege to to hear that um that you know people have been really touched by it and um 
Yeah, I've loved it. And we, we did a little tour in October and just playing the songs live, it kind of like, for me, it sort of it took them in a whole new direction, even just like the meaning of them and the way that they flow together. I was like, oh, this does make sense. This isn't as like crazy as I thought it was. I feel like it's actually a really like logical and uh now that now that it's finished it's like well of course that's the album i'd write at that time um is the one i needed to write and and it helped me navigate through a, a, a difficult time and now i feel really grateful that it's out in the world and yeah that's awesome i uh yeah it's 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 a really special release i i want to ask about a couple of specific songs um sure. I have to start with the one that just sort of, I mean, wrecked me and also just pulled me in in a, in a way I just didn't expect, which is Grace Riley. Oh, um, really? Just, oh, Grace just, Riley. She almost didn't make the album. Oh, my goodness. I, I want to hear this because because uh, I just think it's like just a haunting song and uh, it's so well done. It's, it's, it's also another example of, a song that doesn't necessarily have like a, a, a tidy bow on it, but it's, but it just, it takes you on like an emotional ride. So um, yeah. Tell, tell me about Grace oh. Riley. Um, so kind of inspired by two separate experiences. Um, one ages ago, a friend of mine told me about a girl in her primary school that ran away and disappeared and, and, that was, you know, that's like a really shocking thing to have gone through as a as a primary school kid. Um, and then I was working, I was, I don't know, I just think I was writing in a cafe or something, and I started writing this. I had this idea for a chorus about people don't just know, people don't just fade out. And I remembered th- th- this story of this girl, and um, just I don't even know, like somewhere in my mind, I just remembered it about this girl that disappeared. And then the second thing. As I was writing it, um, I remembered when I was in, in primary school, there was a girl who was being really bullied, like mega, mega bullied, and and I didn't, I didn't do anything about it. Like I didn't take part in the bullying, but I didn't stop it, and I didn't say to anyone that's not okay, and. And so then, like, out of those two strands, I guess it's, I mean, it's a song about a girl that runs away from her family, um, but it's also a song about friendship and wanting to be a better friend and wanting to be the kind of friend who is brave. And, yeah, I don't know. It's a funny, I like, and it, it took a while to get all the pieces together, but in a way... The whole story was there from the beginning about about what it was these two friends and um but it, i i did i even demo it i maybe like record it on my phone and and we had it as a backup but the producer was like well we kind of already have songs like that on the album and i was like no we don't we don't have a grace riley we got other other people but but um I, so we were like, well, let's just save it till the end, and if we have time, we'll do it. And then we had like a half a day in the studio, and we were like, oh well, which which songs? Then I played through a couple, and then I played this Grace Riley song, and um, Charlie, the bassist, was like, that one, let's do that one.
it just the arrangement just happened it was really easy just kind of like sometimes you kind of work and work at an arrangement but that one just kind of fell out the way the way it was recorded and yeah 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 i love it i i just to me i feel like um it, it kind of connects with this piece inside of us that wants to be kind of known and seen and mm. sometimes we've I think that we try to force that like by staying on social media or by whatever, we try to like always stay in front of people. Mm -hmm. And, and I think this song is a reminder that like, like any of us can fall into the trap of out of sight, out of mind. Um, Mm -hmm. if, If someone's not like visually present in our life, they can easily be forgotten or just discarded. And, uh, so to me, it's like, a there's like a challenge inside the song to just kind of open up our awareness of the people around mm. us and, yeah. um, and just kind of have, yeah, like you said, have an open heart to be better, be better friends and just lean into people. Even if they're, even if they're not seen and present in front of us, like people yeah. need to be remembered and thought of. And, and so I just, well done. Well done. It's a great. Thanks. One. Thank you. I like it too. Well, uh, I'd have one one more uh, question for you, and and that is, um, you as the 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 songwriter and the performer, what is what is your hope in your heart um, that the listener walks away with if they if they sit down with your music for for any given amount of time and mm-hmm. just kind of absorb it? Like, what do you, what sort of the hope that they that they walk away with? For me. I think the thread that runs through a lot of my writing is something we've touched on a bit already in this conversation of just just opening up just a little bit more, opening up your ears and your eyes and your heart, just just a smidgen. And I think for me, sometimes I can be so laser-focused on my thing and my fears and my doubts or my view of the world and what should be and and i think the journey that i've been on spiritually emotionally artistically is is to open up a bit more and and to yourself to god to people um it's you can't really i don't think you can really separate any of that stuff and so if if there is a hope it's that that people would connect with it and that and that it would encourage them and and maybe and maybe help you see the world a little bit differently maybe not better but differently maybe yeah that's great. Love it. Thank you so much for just spending Thank this time you. with us. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. There you go. The talented, the fun, the very thoughtful Tina Boonstra. Yes, we loved connecting with her across the pond. Uh, had a great conversation. And, and uh, hey, hopefully you enjoyed listening in on that. Um, and again, congratulations to Tina Boonstra for her amazing new album that came out last year called Circle Back, Start Again. It was just last month honored by our UTR panel of critics as the number one gourmet album of 2023. Um, speaking of, if you haven't yet done so, we encourage you to go to our website and check out the full list of the top 11 albums. We also, on that list, at the bottom, we have an extended list of recommendations. We list uh, over 30 additional albums. So if you're just looking for some of the best of the best from the year gone by, um, we will help point you in the right direction. Um, You can check that out at utrmedia.org. You can also listen to the top 11 audio countdown of those 11 albums on episode 96 of the gourmet music podcast check it out if you can um we'll link to those things in the show notes to make it easy on you we we have some other things you should check out if you're heading over to our website 
can find our latest listener contest. Uh, we have an article of featuring 18 of the best gourmet music videos of the year 2023. Um, also, we asked our critics to pick out some of the best individual songs of the year. The one you just heard, Grace Riley, that was one of them on the list. I think there's about 70 other songs. Just a long list of uh, the best songs of the year. You can check that out. Now, um, speaking of the top 11 gourmet albums of the year, uh, we just heard the artist that had the number one slot. But coming up next, we're going to hear the artist that had the number two slot. And we're also going across an ocean because um, we are talking to Trinidad-based artist Candice Coker. She released a fantastic album called Bear and Bones, and uh, we're excited to have uh, a nice conversation with her, enjoy some of her music. And if you listen in the second half to the till the very end, we're going to give you a, a secret contest just for listeners to this episode. Uh, so that's coming up at the end of the show. So uh, stick around for that. And we're going to feature a full, uninterrupted, unedited song from Candace to close out the show. So a lot of good coming your way in the second half here on Green Room Door. In 2024, UTR wants you to reflect on the sacredness of every moment. Our latest listener contest is for the set of all three volumes of the best-selling book series, Every Moment Holy, from Rabbit Room Press. You can enjoy liturgies, prayers, and meditations that meet you in the ordinary moments of everyday life. Enter the contest now at utrmedia.org or click the link in today's show notes. Attention songwriters, what are your goals for 2024? I know you might be really good at your craft, but my question for you is, do you think you could improve this year? If the answer is yes, then I have a resource you might want to check out. Our friend Ross King is a veteran songwriter of over 25 years. He not only writes songs for himself, but also for other artists, as well as for placement in TV, film, and commercials. Well, not only is he a great guy, but he is a fantastic songwriting coach. He developed a six-lesson video curriculum called Tools Not Rules, and it's designed to help any songwriter at any level. In fact, I have a songwriting friend who's a professional songwriter, and he took the class and said it blew him away. Well, here's four pieces of great news. One, it's very affordable. It makes a great gift for a songwriting person in your life, a friend or family member, or buy the gift for yourself if you're a songwriter. Two, on top of the already low prices, UTR podcast listeners get an extra 25% off for a limited time if you go to rosskingmusic.com slash UTR25. Three, for every new sign-up this month, Ross King is going to give a kickback to UTR, so you taking the class actually helps support the work of UTR Media. And four, the course is totally on demand, so you can watch at your pace and on your schedule. So take your songwriting to the next level in 2024 by taking the Tools Not Rules video course with Ross King. You can go to rosskingmusic.com slash UTR25. Hey, welcome back. This is Season 7, Episode 5 of Green Room Door. I'm Dave Trout. Glad you're with us. And just last month, our critics panel revealed the top 11 gourmet albums of 2023. And uh, we just heard from Tina Boonstra, who was number one on that list. And the number two album was Barren Bones by Candace Coker, an amazing achievement that it, it ranked at number two uh, because this is actually Candace's debut studio album. But she's not exactly a brand new artist to us at UTR. In fact, um, we've been playing her music for the last six years. Um, we first played a song by hers in early 2018 on the Gourmet Music Podcast 
Um, and at that time, uh, we just knew her as a new artist, an up-and-coming artist out of Vancouver, Canada. Uh, little did we know, she's um, a native of Trinidad and Tobago. She was actually in college studying in Vancouver and has since returned back to Trinidad, and that's her home base now. For a number of years, she was releasing um, song demos and a few singles, and uh, and uh, UTR actually played a role in the creation of this full-length album. We're, we're, we'll talk about that in our interview with her. Um, but uh, it's been a delight to have Candace be a part of some different things at UTR, including she's a writer for our Song RX emails. Uh, and um, we included her as one of the performing artists on the Work Tapes album, which was a tribute for Rich Mullins. We have a lot to talk about, so we're going to dive in. But first, here's a little bit of her song, Arrow, which is from her latest project, Bear and Bones. Let me let me just kind of start going in the wayback machine. Um, how did you learn about your own musical gifts? Like, just how did that develop in you? Uh, well, my grandma, she was a music teacher, actually. Um, so growing up, I would go to music lessons at my grandma's house every Saturday. All of the cousins actually would come and learn the piano together and then go pick fruits in the backyard so music was kind of how we did family on my mom's side and then my dad also played guitar so we grew up singing a cappella and playing instruments at home pretty regularly so yeah that's so cool and i you know one thing that i'm curious about uh just because your style and your your kind of vocal presence is so unique and interesting. Um, what are, who, who are like some of the influences that you have? Who are the artists that kind of inspired your journey as an artist? That is a really good question. I do think it's varied throughout my life, which is probably why you kind of have like a few of different things in there. Um, I think in my early years, it was, you know, people like the Cranberries and, um, Imogen Heap, Sarah McLaughlin was a huge one, Nora Jones. Um, and then on the Christian side, we had people like Stephanie Gretzinger, Amanda Cook, Brooke Frazier was like a huge one for me. Um, but then I also have some oldies like Ella Fitzgerald in there and um, Louis Armstrong. Um, so they're like kind of like old school jazz. So it's kind of like a mix of everything. Um, and I think Josh Garrels, as I got, as I was in college, he really inspired me as well. Mm, that's good. Um, well, uh, the, one of the main reasons why we're here is to talk about Barren Bones, um, which was your uh, 2023 project and was just recently named by the UTR critics as one of the top 11 gourmet albums of the year. Uh, wow. <laughs> so congratulations on that first of all um, thank you so much it's, it's well deserved and it's actually all the way up to number two on our list that and, is uh, crazy. thank you just before we started talking I was I was quickly researching the other number twos that that were on our previous top 11 list so you joined the ranks of Switchfoot. The New Respects, Andrew Peterson, Need to Breathe, 
Madison Cunningham, Sarah Groves, and there's a few others that we left out. But you're wow. in, you're in very good company. It's not easy <laughs> to make it that high on the list. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so so much. Oh, it's honestly such an honor. Thank you. Um, so one of one of the fun little backstories is um, our our mutual friend Larry Stefan um, uh, wanted to, you had you had been talking to him about about the new music you were writing and stuff, and I think it was on his heart to say, I'm you know I want to put you in touch with Lori Lori Chaffer of Waterdeep because she's been producing some artists of late and it's really wowed us like Krista Wells among others. And, um, and so, uh, so you uh, at that point uh, got, got in touch with, with Lori, can you take us from there on just sort of the development of the project? Yeah, sure. So I had just, honestly, I had, I've been doing like little mixtapes in my bedroom and, um, Larry found it and he sent it to Lori and she was excited about it. So he kind of connected us via email. Um, and prior to Larry's prodding, I hadn't had any serious intentions of releasing an album. Like I really, it, it was something that was on my heart, but it wasn't something I thought was possible. So he really kind of nudged me to show me how easy it could be if I had a little help. Um, so he connected me with Lori and she sent me a few of the things that she had worked on before. And I really liked it. Um, but I was also in contact with one other producer. And so I actually had, I kind of interviewed both of them because yeah. I was like, I need to see right. <laughs> how this is going to go. Both of them are really, really talented, um, and create extraordinary music. Um, but when I, had the interviews with both of them. It was just kind of conversations. I just vibed with Lori and I realized that um, I would really enjoy working with her. Um, and I think she just seemed to understand um, where I kind of wanted to go with it. And she made it simple. I think that was a huge thing that was helpful for me because we were doing this during quarantine time. I was in Trinidad, she was in Nashville um, and the other producer at the time was talking about maybe finding ways for me to travel and things like that and for me it's like I work full-time I also had like I didn't have as a lot of money saved up for the album as yet so she was the one who really kind of showed me how the process could be accessible to me um, and she really made it feel very non-threatening and i think that made me feel really safe to create something with her that's great well um several of the critics who had voted on, on on this list commented about the incredible production quality of the album i think it 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 uh, fits you hand in glove and um so so i think you made the right choice there <laughs> um, yeah thank you can you share more about the making of the album? Um, just, um, you know, how you, you mentioned, you know, that you had kind of been demoing these songs. Um, you know, how did it all start to come together? You know, just the, especially given the, the challenges of the miles and the quarantining and all of that, like, like, can you walk us through just sort of the creation process? Yeah, sure. So um, I had some of these songs already as um, recordings that I had on my laptop because whenever I write a song, I usually kind of recorded it one time. Um, and so I sent those off to her and she, you know, she would send me a few ideas, but we also would have, um, you know, Zoom calls just like this. And we would um, just kind of talk through like, hey, what are you thinking for this? And I think for me, like, with a lot of the songs that I've written, I've always had ideas of like, even though I'm playing in my get my guitar in my bedroom, like there are like sounds I'm thinking or like emotions or feelings. Um, and so I would kind of like share that with her. So for example, um, with the first song on the record, Honest, I literally told her, okay, in my head, I'm thinking like heavy jungle vibes, you know? I'm thinking like jungle sounds, you know, 
something that feels kind of like wild and cathartic. Um, if you want to throw in some, you know, bird sounds or like calls or different things in there. And then she would kind of take that and go play and do exciting things and then come back and we'll kind of debrief it like that. Um, for strong arms, I said, you know, I'm thinking in my brain, all I'm seeing is like a, like someone like charging on a horse, like a kind of like a warrior theme and um, rescuing someone who's wounded. And so she kind of, she kind of captured the essence of some of the things I was describing um, in a way that felt really like cinematic, I think with some of the music. Um, and so that's kind of how we did things back and forth. Um, and so I, we'd have this combo, she would send me ideas and we would tweak um, I recorded all of the vocals in my car. Um, oh, I didn't and know that. That's crazy. Yes, because I I live right next to a street, a very busy street. And so it ended up being that as I was trying to record, I would only be able to record like at midnight, which was not sustainable for me working a full-time job. So then I said, okay, maybe I can try recording at church in one of the quiet rooms because I had all the gear I just needed like a quiet space um, and at the time I didn't have the funds for like professional studio time so I went to church and that day I don't know what was happening but there was like a massive block party like <laughs> and so there was just like all this sound and I remember like coming into the car and just slamming the door because I was just so frustrated. And when I slammed the door, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like actually quiet in here. And so that's actually what kind of gave me the idea to start recording in my car. Um, so I started recording a few things at church in my car with all that noise around and you barely heard anything on the actual recordings. So then that's what I ended up doing. So I came, I would come home after work I would park in my parents' garage and put blankets all over my car and bring all my gear <laughs> inside of there and record. And it was great. And then I could go to sleep at a decent hour. So wow. that was my little adventure with that. <laughs> I think, I think you're the, I've interviewed a lot of people over the years. And I think, I think this is the first time that, that an album was recorded in the car. That's, that's pretty epic. So, and very engine, it's got a lot of ingenuity there, uh, figuring out a creative solution. I love it. Um, Thank you. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the album now has sort of been out in the world for a while and, and you've, you've lived with it. You've also had response and feedback. So where do you stand now as you sort of reflect a little bit later down the road, you know, as, as, as this has lived in, in the world in real time, um, have you felt, uh, uh, how, how have you felt about the album yourself and just sort of hearing from others? Um, yeah. I mean, I think first of all, like I'm extremely grateful to God because I feel like this album is such a gift. Um, I know I could not have done it on my own from, the crowdfunding process was a miracle. The actual recording of it um, was a complete miracle. There were so many times I dealt with anxiety and all these different things. And the Lord and Lori made it very, they had a lot of grace for me throughout the process. Um, so when it, now that it's been completed for almost a year, um, it's just been kind of wild, honestly, because I've been getting feedback from people from many different countries, some countries that I didn't even knew, know, knew who I was. Um, I've seen my stuff featured on, you know, the Gospel Coalition, Coalition for example. I have no idea how they know I exist. Um, I'm extremely grateful. Um, I've had it play on radio stations in the UK, um, some of one of my songs is on repeat on one of my personal favorite radio stations locally down here. Um, that's Aru on the record. Um, and so it's kind of been really incredible to see God put me in front of people that I don't even know and have them kind of elevate the album in ways that I wouldn't have even known how to begin to elevate. Um, and Old Bear Records, which is the indie record, 
record label that I'm with, they've been doing an amazing job with um, pushing it out to different Spotify playlists and different things like that. So I have them to thank for making this such a stress-free process for me. Um, And then personally from friends locally, from family, it's been really interesting just to kind of see the the songs that people engage with. Um, I have a lot of people who've commented on They Go Down. Um, They've said like, that is one of the songs that they just keep having on repeat. Lots of people have said that the song has like helped them fall asleep, um, helped them through like anxious moments and things like that. So it's been really nice to kind of see the the diverse um, response to it. I've even had um, uh, an indie playlister, um, Alex, Alex Rainbird Music, they've playlisted I think five of my songs at this point, two of which are actually Christian songs and they aren't a Christian um, group. So it's, it's kind of amazing to me that God's been kind of just allowing it to have room in all these different spaces. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, well, I, uh, I have one more question for you and that is um, I know that you are um, just I've always admired just how thoughtful you are and just have a, a, a beautiful sense of kind of your own gifts. And so what has um, the release of this project, what has it kind of taught you as an artist? How, like how, what are you learning right now um, in this stage as an artist? Um, I think one of the main things I think, okay, so a few things. So the first thing I think I learned from this process is that God works with you, even if you deal with anxiety, even if um, you need a little help to see, you know, how to get from point A to point B, God always sends, God always funds his ideas Mm -hmm. and he always sends support to ensure that it comes off of the ground. He's really kind that way and he enjoys creating with you. Um, I think another thing that I've learned in this process and I continue to learn is that for this album, after it took, after it was released, um, cause I, I went to business school, I've studied marketing. And for me, I put a lot of pressure on myself to figure out, okay, how are you going to market this? How are you going to get it off the ground and different things? And God's kind of really shown me that when you follow his leading, brings opportunities and I'm not saying that this is for every artist but in my personal life God has shown me that if I follow the trajectory that he's called me to in my day-to-day he sends opportunities that I didn't even know were possible for me um you know in a in a week or two I'll be going to Arkansas and this opportunity came up because they saw an article that featured me on the Gospel Coalition. And up to now, I have no idea who from the Gospel Coalition actually knows me, you know? And it just shows that I think God takes care of his artists who are pursuing his heart. And so I would just kind of encourage any artists who are trying to create music that um, even as you're trying to find the balance of, you know, what people will want to hear and um, versus what you might be sensing God wants you to release, just just focus on, you know, what feels authentic to you and what you sense God saying. Um, and I really believe that God's going to take care of you in the process and, and bring all the resources together. So mm, that's great. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Candace Coker. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us and uh, just sharing from your heart and, and more about your music. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. Honestly, thank you all so much at UTR Media. Y'all have done way more than y'all probably realize for Mm -hmm. this album and for me as an artist in general. Y'all have been incredibly encouraging. And I don't think that if it weren't, I think that if it weren't for y'all, this album may not have have been made, um, at least in the time that it was. So I'm so grateful to y'all as well. Wow, thank you. 
Wow, yes, I humbly accept that nice little hit of dopamine. Ah, how encouraging was that? It is so delightful to talk with Candace Coker. As you can hear, she's just a delightful person. We love working with her in a bunch of different capacities here at UTR. And uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation. Of course, we will link to Candace's music um, in in the show notes, and we'll link to Tina Boonstra's music, our guest in the first half of the episode. Um, so this was such a fun one to do. What what great conversations! Um, and don't go anywhere because uh, after we say all of our goodbyes and give you the credits and everything for for the show, we're gonna play a full unedited song by Candace. In fact. Um, it's one of her latest ones and she just a few minutes ago was talking about the song Day Go Down and how that has seemed to really connect with a lot of people on a deeper level so we're going to specifically play that song after our farewells Um, plus hey we mentioned this earlier we've got a secret contest for you in fact we're going to narrow it down to folks who are just new brand new to the Candace Coker uh, universe. <laughs> so here we have two uh, sealed copies of Bear and Bones, the latest from Candace Coker on CD. And we're going to send that to two folks who are brand new to Candace. So it's very simple. Um, the instructions are just like this. You have to send an email to this podcast's email address. Uh, which is greenroomdoorpodcast at gmail.com. The the email is listed in the show notes as well. And all you have to do is somewhere in the subject or in the body of the email, let us know that Candace Coker is a new discovery for you in the last few months. Maybe it was through our top 11 list. Maybe it was uh, a recent podcast where we featured her music. Or maybe it's even this interview right now is the first time you have just heard of her as an artist. Anybody that sends us that email lets us know that she's been a new discovery for you just in the last few months. Um, We're going to draw two winners who will get those CDs. So somewhere in the email, send us your name and shipping address. And that's it. We're going to pick two winners, but we're going to do it in the next two weeks. So um, if you're listening to this podcast in March or April or beyond, um, you've, you've missed your opportunity. Sorry. This is uh, just going to be for folks um, uh, who are our early listeners in um, the, the mid, you know, mid February, mid to late February. So um, send us an email if you can, and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully draw your name as a CD winner. Okay, now we have a few official thank yous and credits for you. Um, Of course, thank you to to Tina Boonstra and Candace Coker uh, for their time and uh, just the great conversation. Um, if uh, If you need any info on anything that was mentioned throughout the podcast, check out the show notes for this episode. We'll have all the links in there. Um, also a big thank you to the UTR support team who are generously contributing to our 501c3 nonprofit work. And uh, we couldn't be here without their support. And if you want info about joining that team to make this work continue strong throughout the year, uh, you can go to our website, utrmedia.org. All songs featured on today's show are with permission or under fair use provision. I'm Dave Trout, and it's been a blast to hang out with you. Um, I'll talk to you again on the next episode of Green Room Door, a production of UTR Media, an independent, listener-supported nonprofit ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and online at utrmedia.org. Stick around, that full song by Candace Coker is next. Dear hours, why'd you go so fast? Zipping in and out of you like that. Dear hours, why'd you go so slow? Every time I think about what I shouldn't I'm sick in my bed, pain in my throat 
singing my heart out to the window. I'm sick of myself, singing my woes, wasting the beauty I just wanna see the day go. Beauty, I just 